Hey guys, welcome to Cheers to Beers, the podcast that lasts as long as the pint. I am your host, Jess, and today we've got a great episode. I am joined by my friend and former co-worker, Kevin Klein. He's worked at restaurants and for wineries and is, of course, a beer lover. The beer he chose for us is the Arctic Devil Barley Wine by Midnight Sun out of Anchorage, Alaska, our first Alaska beer. Things get real as we talk about the importance of creating, the human nature of drinking beer, and the highs and lows of the service industry. Grab a beer and join. Let's talk about beer. Cheers. So you kind of were talking about this when we were just chatting before, but what made you? Actually, why don't you tell us what we're drinking? Sure, I'd be happy to. This is the Arctic Devil Barley Wine Ale from a Midnight Sun Brewery in Anchorage, Alaska. And what made you choose it? Well, I was at Central Market, or I'm sorry, Ballard Market, and I saw this one. It's a very recognizable label, uh, as every beer from them is. And uh, I have a fond, I have a lot of fond memories associated with drinking beer from this brewery, and so I chose it. And I have a gift certificate to Ballard Market, <laughs> and so I used that, so it was free. That's also why I chose it. Um. You were just talking before we were on the mics about your adventures in Alaska. Was that the only time you've been there or you've been there multiple That's times? the only time I've been there. That's and so awesome. It's an amazing place. I truly recommend everyone go to Alaska. Can uh, I swear? Is that yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, anyways, so yes, barley wine. was. Um, did you just pick this up because it's Midnight Sun or like specifically because barley wine? Mostly... Because barley wine. <laughs> I'm a big fan of barley wines. Uh, I like things that are very alcoholic right. and uh, thicker. Yes, this is 13.4%. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Lots of intense sort of flavors. I'm a, I like drinking barley wine a lot. Did you go to Hard Liver this year? I did not. Oh, no. bums. I know. I went uh, the last couple of years, and each time I had to leave um, early. <laughs> Because I of uh, your state of inebriation, because I, I I partook extremely hard <laughs> and had a wonderful hard liver time, and I had a wonderful time. But I, you know, I had to actually two years ago, my buddy and I were there for only two hours, oh, and we were so fucked up that we, my brother was gonna meet us at like five, and we were just like, no, dude, we we're out, we gotta go, oh and then we God. just walked around in Fremont for <laughs> yeah. like an hour and a half. So yeah. I love hard liver. I just didn't make <laughs> it this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So barley wine, oak aged, midnight sun. I don't know if we said this, this is from Anchorage, Alaska. Um, yeah. They seem like they've always got some funky art going on <laughs> with their stuff. Um, do you want to read this side right there? I'd love to. Alaska's most awarded barley wine ale, Arctic Devil, is aptly named after the ferocious wolverine. This English-style, or malt-inclined, barley wine is brewed once a year, then aged in oak barrels for several months. Each vintage is unique and complex, evolving and melding and mellowing over time. You can survive sub-zero. I think that might just be an ad they threw in there. There's more, though. <laughs> Beers for Alaska and beyond. Oh, no, no, this is it. That's it. You can survive sub-zero is the end of the description. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Should we crack it open? Please. You do the honors. Oh, my. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> it sounded good. <laughs> okay. Well, you have to pour it then. Okay. I also have like the most inappropriate glassware. God, like I'm so sorry. When you leave this apartment, you're gonna have so much cat hair everywhere. That's okay. <laughs> um, I was gonna comment on your glassware. I was saying to you that your apartment looks like an LA apartment, and your glassware is not an exception to that <laughs> observation. <laughs> Jess is rocking cylindrical uh, rocks glasses that are um, covered in these sort of circle polka dot um, uh, like indentations, but they're not actually indentations. They're purely decorative. And uh, really what it looks like we're drinking out of something that like Betty Draper would have chosen I was just these. Say yeah. She would have chosen these glasses, brought them home, and Don Draper would have said, fuck that. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to diss your glassware. I do actually really dig it. And <laughs> Thank you. Oftentimes found myself more in the Betty camp than the Don camp, obviously, but well, I dig it. Uh, great. So let's talk about what color this is. Sure. What would you call this? You could choose any word Boy. to describe. Is it mahogany? Is that the color? Mahogany's nice. Yeah, it's got a really deep ruby color, it looks like to me. Uh, it's really pretty. It is very pretty. It's a little, uh, yeah, it's like, it's not amber. It's definitely a little darker than mm -hmm. that, but it's... Uh, and richer. Yeah. What about the smell? What do you pick up on? Let's see. I guess I didn't really pour a head on this, so I don't know how much we can smell, really. That's mm, fine. Maybe like dried fruits. Definitely that. I mean, you know, you super can, sweet. Yeah, kind of like barley wine sort of stand standards. You know, mm -hmm. so you can say caramelly and mm -hmm. um, definitely quite sweet. There's a little burnt burnt sugar in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, you want to cheers? I'd love to. What should we cheers to? Oh, um, cheers to. <sighs> always have something to cheers to, Jess. You can't just Dude, cheers. Just this is the first time someone has. <laughs> Asked me for a reason why we're cheersing. I was, you know, for podcasting, for the you being my guest on the podcast. Cheers to that. That's great. Okay, great. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> mm. That's nice. I, I like that. I, I think it, that's what I look for in a, in a barley wine. What I exactly? That's nice. So I don't, uh, if something's like really cloyingly sweet, then it, it kind of hits the, the back of your mouth and feels kind of sharp. Mm-hmm. I gag a little bit, not really gag, but it's like it's in the same family as gagging <laughs> and some sort of throat reflex. So this one, rather than being too, I mean, it's sweet as hell. It's very sweet, <laughs> it's sweet. but it has, uh, it tastes like a malted milk ball in the sweetness. Like it's, it has sort of, a um, like it doesn't taste like straight up you're drinking caramel, although the finish kind of does actually feel like that. <laughs> the Yeah, it, the sweetness lasts on the palate a little while after. But while you're drinking it, it's not too intense and it's not overwhelming. Mm. Like that first sip, there's still a decent amount of like carbonation, good mouthfeel, I suppose. Yeah, I do love the, the mouthfeel, <laughs> which is my favorite thing that people use when they're talking about tasting are you, beer are you being sarcastic no i love oh. it i think it's an amazing thing to say it's got a great mouth feel what is that like you know i know and i think it's <laughs> legit i think it i don't i just think it's hilarious it's got a great mouth feel you know i don't know what like what's the equivalent of like 
Like, I don't know. I just think it's funny. I don't know. It's fucking goofy. But it's got a great mouth feel. Couldn't you have come up with at least like a better, and not you specifically, no. but there's got to be a better way of putting mouth feel. There are, I feel like, some terminology in the beer world that's kind of like, well, you didn't do the best in your English classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to shit on the, anyone in the industry here. And I don't know who came up with the, excuse me, the idea of, Calling it mouthfeel. Maybe that comes from wine. Maybe that started in wine. Yeah. It's not even a beer thing at all. You might be right, though, because I feel like it actually can be more important in wine, you know, with like tannins and with shit. All the tannins yeah. and, and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, I have a bottle of Syrah from the winery you worked at that I still haven't drank. That's tight. When I visited in like October. Of 2015. So you probably would have been buying the 2013 Syrah then, I'm imagining. Probably. I just remember tasting it and it was so fucking good that I had to get a bottle. Well, I didn't actually work on that one. I didn't make that one, so it's not as good. But it is good still. I like (laughs) a lot of the wine they make at uh, at Lake Hole 41. It's that winery. And they make nice wine, but... Once I started making their Syrah, boy, it really took off. It was really great. So, like, you have you have experience working in wineries. Have you done anything production side in the beer world ever? I mean, my brother brews beer at oh. his home in Queen Anne. Um, and he does a, a very good job. He makes good stuff. I'm, like, I'm very impressed with everything he makes. Uh, and he's always a very technically, like, inclined person. So he just, very, he just does a good job at it. And... Um, he so one time I held down uh, the the container that he was pouring some shit into. I held it down. So yes, I have been involved in the production of beer before. I was helping my brother once, but no, not <laughs> the real answer to your question is no. Like not not at all. I haven't worked for a brewery or uh, or in the production side, though I would love to. And it is my goal eventually to start a brewery someday. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Down the road. I mean, I'm broke and (laughs) there's a couple of things I have to learn in between now and then. Mm. But I think it would be an amazing thing to do. Why not? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And make great beer and, and come to work and feel really good about it. You know? Totally. And there's something just like that feels good about creating something in general, whether, you know, you're an artist, a writer, whatever, when you create something and then you get to consume the thing that you've created, that's like a good feeling. And Absolutely. it's like, everyone loves beer. <laughs> like Absolutely. who doesn't want to yeah. participate in that? And beer so, is very much um, a, like a labor, you know, it takes so oh, much yeah. time and it takes so much effort and right. it takes a lot of decision making, uh, I guess, or maybe dart throwing, but either way, it takes a ton of work and time. And so that art, when it's finished and when you're tasting the sort of complexities in it is what a gratifying experience. Yeah, totally. Okay. So yes, we, we talked about this beer a little bit. Um, Midnight Sun, Alaska, barley wine. I feel like this is, uh, it's like a beautiful day in Seattle right now for April. And I'm definitely starting to drink Saison's sessions. You know, I'm, I'm moving towards that direction, but I feel like this is good. Kind of like final hurrah in terms of the dark stuff that I've been drinking all winter. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I can I can take you I can we can land together mm-hmm. and land uh, you know, go leave winter time. 
mm-hmm. with the Arctic uh, devil. I mean, I personally, I love drinking this shit throughout the year. I like, yeah. I like, I mean, I drink a lot of Bud Light and a lot of Olympia and stuff, but uh, in the summer, obviously, and that's great, but. I think this stuff can be great. I mean, as long as it's cold, right? It's like a <laughs> cold beverage. Right, totally. You know? um, it says that it's aged in bourbon oak barrels. Are you picking up on any of those oaky or bourbon characteristics? Sure. I'm getting a little more of the bourbon, I think, mm-hmm. than I am the oak. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, bourbon and barley wine kind of seem like they go hand in hand to me. <laughs> I agree with you. And actually, now that I just took another sip, I think there is a lot of oak there. It's like a decent amount. I'm just... Mm-hmm. I'm, like I wasn't really paying attention to it at first. Yeah, I think this took me a few sips to get kind of like past just that initial caramel fruit malt sweetness. But now I'm like, you know, picking up on more of the mm. stronger characteristics. So let's, let's do your beer history a little bit. What okay. kind of got you into beer? What What made you into craft beer or wanting to indulge in that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things. So my brother, the guy who brews beer, he's just been a beer nerd for years and years. And, um, I mean, that dude has just put in the time, like, and he loves craft beer. And yeah. I was just fortunate to have a bro that I'd, we'd hang out and he'd bring over some really nice stuff and he'd be like, this is really good. And then I would taste it and be like, yeah, this <laughs> is really good. And, and, uh, you know, up until that point, I, I was not the most discerning drinker when I was a little younger. You know, I started out drinking because I liked getting drunk in college. Right. And like, you know, and that, that was fun, but it didn't, it meant that four locos were happening. You know? oh, and, then, yeah. and so the transformation was, was actually relatively slow. I would just be enjoying nicer beer with my brother and then think, oh, maybe I can do this on my own. And then it's kind of an addiction, you know, I mean, alcohol literally is, but also <laughs> like the, just the enjoyment of, of tasting beer and like the craft beer world and in, in its uh, in itself is something that I'm, I find that I'm addicted to it. Like I, I love exploring new stuff. Yeah. I love recognizing beers that I've had before or variations on those beers and, and trying those out and seeing how they compare to the last year's version of that beer. Like yesterday, yeah. I, my other brother and I, opened a uh, a bottle of Abyss that was aged in cognac barrels. Mm. And so I've had Abyss before, and I really like it a lot. And But this one was just like Abyss, but it, it tasted mostly like cognac. I mean, oh, truly, man. it didn't. I mean, it was like a straight up, I was drinking cognac, you know, but it was <laughs> cold and carbonated. And mm-hmm. it was, I Dang. loved it. It was really nice. Yeah. If, nothing, if for no other reason, then it was just interesting to taste it. And I think that that's... I think if I think that's the number one reason why I'm into it and why I would guess that most people are into it is that um it's super fun once you start considering the way that things taste and you start mm-hmm. developing a palate and my, I don't have one at all really I mean I I well, it's a, I'm like mid I'm probably in the bottom 30 like percentile of like having really? a great With, like, beer palate your experience working in a winery and being this into craft beer, I feel like it's only not like you have to start picking up on that stuff for you yeah. to get into it. Well, and I might you're be, probably, it sounds I like might you're selling, be yourself, selling short. myself short a little bit, but my palate for wine is even worse. I mean, <laughs> oh, really? I, I'm just the dirty guy in the back of the winery who like crushes grapes. I'm not, I'm not a, a connoisseur by any sense. You're you know? still in the culture though. Absolutely. And I drink a lot of it yeah. and I like it. I'm getting there with wine, uh-huh. but I'm even worse with wine than I am with beer. Uh-huh. Um, 
but even for a noob like me or someone, I'm not a noob, but someone who's does not have an amazing palate. Uh-huh. Um, it's still really fun. You know, I, if I've maybe only got a couple of things that I can pick up on and I might ignore the oak in it or something like that. But right. as long as I'm recognizing something, that's awesome. Like yeah. what, it's a, such a fun activity. It There's a reason fun. why people do the sommelier school and wine. Right. You know, it's like you're torturing yourself for 10 fucking years, dude. <laughs> but why are you doing this? And it's like, cause it's so fun to just smell and taste stuff and it then really say, is. yeah, like I get burnt, cocoa pebbles in this you know <laughs> and then people can be like holy shit dude you're totally right right that this is exactly burnt cocoa pebbles and to make discoveries like that dude it's amazing it, like, it really feels, is it's fun it's it, really fun it is um kind of following on your beer history was there uh maybe a certain beer that you kind of felt like was your introductory your gateway beer into being like, oh, God, this is actually really good. This is more than highly filtered light beer, you know? Yes. There's a, there's two. The first one is Bourbon County Stout from Goose Island. Oh, yeah? Um, oh, yeah. That is really amazing. <laughs> I love that beer very much to this day. It might be my favorite beer. Um, and that I experienced. Uh, my brother actually, I think, gave me a bottle of that. And I brought it back to college I was probably 19 or 20 and I sat down with a buddy of mine and we, we did some, we smoked some pot. (laughs) You can say it. Okay. I'm sorry. We smoked some pot. It's legal here. That's true. It is very legal. You're right. Um, my mom isn't listening to this and no offense. She's just not going to listen to it, but, um, (laughs) But so we smoked some pot and we sat down at the kitchen table and opened it and drank it. I mean, it was like a transformative kind of, it was very beautiful. And mm-hmm. I loved the beer so much. And now that just kicked it off for both my friend and I. And now he lives in Seattle and we go to Uber and Bottle Works and mm-hmm. all the time Stumbling Monk. And we just love to drink beer together. Mm-hmm. Um, that one in Duchess also. Yeah. I drank a Duchess and I was like, whoa, dude, this is nuts. And I dig it. And I'm. You are into these rich beers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Duchess seemed like Duchess took me a while to like. That's kind mm. of an acquired taste. I don't I feel know, like. man. I don't know. <laughs> it could be from the fact of my cigarette smoking, or I don't know. It could my dulled my palate. I need something that punches me in the face in order to just feel alive, you know. Right. <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah. Those are impressive. I feel like normally when I talk to people about this topic, they're like, Lagunitas IPA. You're like, (laughs) you know, these are some really good ones that are your gateway beers. It's all all on kind of my brother. It's impressive (laughs) on his point. I just drank them. What do you think it is? And like maybe is beer your go-to drink or are you like a whiskey drinker or, you know, whatever? What is like your, Um, your drink of choice? I, it totally depends and it depends on the day and what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I, I, similar to how I approach food. Um, and I think also because when I was younger, I drank nothing but crappy, mm-hmm. like mad dog and stuff, oh, you know, um, I've made you cringe twice so far. In this. <laughs> the four locos and the mad dog. <laughs> um, but so I, I, it really depends. There are days where wine is, nothing sounds better than wine to me than red right. wine. There are days where nothing sounds better than Olympia. And there it is when nothing sounds better than this kind of thick ass beer, you know? Yeah. And then I would say that I'm actually more of a liquor drinker if I'm going out to a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I'm not sure why that is, but I just really enjoy it. And the one that I find myself drinking most of these days is uh, just tequila, because yeah. I mean, or mezcal in general. Yeah. Um, because it just agrees with me. It, <laughs> That's just, it, good. it goes in, and I just didn't. It feels good. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I was just talking about tequila the other night when I got off work and uh, I realized that I had not drank any or maybe taken a shot of tequila since the Burgundian Browers Bottle Works summer party mm. because I blacked out and was <laughs> not that fun. <laughs> and so sure. I think uh, after that point for me for tequila, it's like. If I'm drinking tequila, I'm fucking, I'm going hard tonight. Like, yeah. I am partying tonight. Yeah. So maybe that's more of a mindset thing <clears throat> than anything else. Sure. Um, but, okay, so you, you're you a drinker of many of many drinks then. So then what is it about beer that makes it different? Like, what what's your mindset? What's your mood that is like, okay, today's a beer day? Or does it depend on the type of beer? I think it kind of depends on the beer. But for the, I, I, not so much, actually. I mean, the most important thing for me is... And there's one, there's one little exception. The exception is if you get off of work, of a hard day working, and you crack open a beer and you just sit down and have it, that's a, that's a different kind of transcendental experience. Like, that's a different <laughs> kind of pleasure. But what I'm, with the, like the other instances of drinking beer, it's about, more than anything else, it's about, um, it's about the, the people that you're drinking it with. You know? And I drink alone. I drink beer alone all the time. But... And it's good. That's only because I've practiced drinking beer and I like the taste of it. And I, I can do that and enjoy it. But still, the main point of it is to be sitting with someone. And there's, as I think Cole Allen mentioned in a previous episode of yours, he brought up that beer is just, you just drink it. You just drink it. Like, it, there's no wine bullshit <laughs> that comes with it. And right. I make wine sometimes, you know. And so it's like, I under, but I fully understand that. I can be a huge snob about beer and still be so much more casual about it than any, like anyone in the wine world. And yeah. so it's, we can, we can get deep into the tasting notes of this and we can be kind of snobby about it just on the surface, but we're in the end still like chilling and drinking a beer, you totally. know, and that's, and that's like what sets beer apart. I mean, yeah, you can do that with margaritas also, <laughs> or just like whiskey, but it's a different it's just a different mindset and whether that's a cultural thing and it's just practiced and we're just used to drinking beer as a in groups and shooting the shit while we're drinking it um more than other things uh i don't know but it seems like i mean look at look at fucking all of the old all the movies that <laughs> that you see like i mean look at like lord of the rings there's like people are drinking beer right aren't they or like, <laughs> like grog yeah grog <laughs> like people are drinking grog and shit people are drinking beer in it's fucking Star Wars, you know, right, like yeah. a long time ago, drinking <laughs> beer, and and it's just it's it's just always. I think that's always been the case, and that's why people really adore it. Is that they love getting together with someone and drinking something that's not going to knock their socks right. off in terms of its ABV, you know. And you just get to chill and like relax. I feel more relaxed now than I did forty five minutes ago because. We've been chatting and drinking a little bit of this beer, right. you know? And yeah, totally. And that's amazing. Like, that's a great experience. And it's like a human experience. You know, like Completely. you're saying, you're, you see it uh, depicted in fantasy stories <clears throat> in a galaxy far, far away, you know? Um, but what makes it doable, what makes it believable is it's like, this is what we do as humans. This is like, I mean, we've been drinking ales for forever, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah. it, it is like a human experience for sure. Absolutely. And didn't it create, didn't it save the world? There was a TV show that said beer saved the world at one point. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it did. I'm going <laughs> to go with that. Okay. So uh, tell me the story of the first time you ever had a beer. If you can remember. I tend yeah. to ask this question and people are like, I can't fucking remember. <laughs> well, so I tried beer all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. My family, I come from German and Scottish roots and my, everyone in my family puts it down, you know, and <laughs> it runs thick through our blood. And um, so I was drinking beer when I was a young child, just tasting it. You know, I would have a little sip and it would, you know, I thought it was gross. And mm-hmm. then I went back to soda, you know, but... <laughs> But so I've been drinking beer for a long time. I think that I didn't start drinking beer until, excuse me, uh, a lot until I went to college. That was it. I mean, just like tons of people. Right. Because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. You can buy 30 of them for 15 bucks <laughs> and then bring them home and hang out with your 10, like, dumb 18-year-old homies. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and so that was when I started like, oh, I really, I can drink a lot of this and I like it. It's really nice. So why don't we just say my first day of college when I was 18 <laughs> years old, that along with, I would venture to say like 90% of the population of America, maybe the world. <laughs> that's when I started, like had my first beer, really, you know? Uh-huh, for sure. It's funny because I think that when I ask this question and people are like, oh, I can't remember, like, I don't really know. I, uh, I have like such a distinct memory because I was a total square, like good kid in high school. So, like, the first time I had a beer, it was, like, very, like, oh, shit, I am drinking alcohol right now. Sure. And you <laughs> felt like you were going to hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. I Did didn't you even, really? I haven't gone to hell yet. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, I didn't even finish it because I was so scared. Well, here's the other thing is my dad was a cop and my mom worked for the police department as well. And I'm an only child. Okay. So, I grew up in a very... Uh, protected environment (laughs) so the idea of doing anything that could get me in trouble was very (laughs) very scary yeah i bet i bet it was yeah can i just do a quick side note here yeah you can edit this out someone made a great point the other day and i don't want to offend anyone you have to edit this out now because it might offend someone (laughs) but someone made a great point they were like dude if heaven and hell exists like if that whole thing exists literally Everyone is going to hell. 100% Absolutely. of people are going to hell. I'm not saying that they don't exist. And I hope they do, frankly, in some ways. But I'm going to hell. So are you. Every human being in the history of time, every pope is going to hell. God is alone in heaven. And he's just like, damn, dude. We made this way too hard. We made this so difficult. And I'm totally bored. He's like playing ping pong with Jesus. And they're just like, what do you want to do today? I don't know, man. I'm so lonely. (laughs) That makes you think, too, like, um, (laughs) like the, you know, the idea of the way the Christian God depicts hell. It's just like because he's trying to gain followers, right? So it's like, is hell actually lit as fuck? You know, like, is everyone actually like partying down there and having a great time like if satan's into like all this shit that we're going to hell for but we do because we like it and it's fun i think that hell might be a dope place to be like a sick club or something yeah dude yeah okay (laughs) well i kind of hope that it is um but i don't know i kind of imagine the worst 
pain I could ever feel and that happening for the rest of time. That's how I imagined hell. But uh, but going clubbing sometimes is a painful experience, you know, <laughs> or just partying too much is obviously a very painful experience. Yeah. As I found out again all too well this morning when I woke up. <laughs> uh, all right. So this next segment is called Drenchies. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've heard this one before. Okay. So you're familiar with what a drenchy is? Mm-hmm. Okay. So your go-to snack while you're drinking. What do you crave? Okay. Oh, this is a little embarrassing, but yeah. screw it. I'm doing it. <laughs> I lived... My old apartment in Capitol Hill was in a great spot, surrounded by wonderful food that was open relatively late. So I would just like have all these things at my fingertips, you know? But damn, if I didn't, every time I was super drunk, just open my computer and go like, well, I could just get Domino's immediately <laughs> right now. And just go to Domino's.com. I hit a button because they've saved my information. Because right I, put, I put Mr. Domino's kids through college, dude. <laughs> and, and I would just order it. You know, 25, 30 minutes later, I get to watch that fun little tracker on the yeah, website. Dude. Listen to the reggae. I choose the reggae theme. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't discriminate against the other themes. I just think the reggae one's the most fun, albeit slightly racist. Um, but it's fun to listen to a little reggae while you're waiting for your pizza. So wait, you lived in an apartment that had like a bunch of places that you could have just walked to within this time that Dom was delivering, but still going for the pizza. Yeah. And I'm also, I mean, so that's my real answer, but in the end, when I get drunk, like, I get so hungry, and I'll just eat anything. Right. I don't care. <laughs> That's the issue. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you... I mean, yeah, if I could have, like, a filet mignon and a, with a Bernays sauce and, like, a <laughs> delicious scalloped potatoes while I was hammered, uh, yeah, that's my favorite drunchy, you know? But I'm usually at that point too drunk to be in a fine dining establishment anyways, <laughs> right. and so I eat you know pasta that i threw (laughs) threw in the pot real quick and then sprinkled some butter and salt on you know like great that's my favorite drunchy my favorite here's the real answer my favorite drunchy is literally whatever food goes into my mouth when i'm drunk (laughs) that's my favorite drunchy makes sense that's fair yeah pizza's so fucking good though when you're drunk my issue too is like i have a restrictive diet that i don't really follow uh, especially when I've been drinking. Can I ask you what it is? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't tell people I'm vegan because I'm not really. And vegans, strict vegans are very intense on like you eat honey. Well, you're not a real vegan, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so here's here's a spiel. At home, strict vegan. When I'm out, it can vary. Like I'm okay with maybe there's a little bit dairy in my you know, salad dressing, or I'll have a bite of someone's thing that has cheese on it. Um, also, I will eat seafood if someone prepares it for me, but I'll never buy it. But if someone was like, hey, I just went salmon fishing, here's some smoked salmon I just did, I'll have a bite of that. Mm-hmm. If someone makes cookies and brings them into work, I'll probably have a cookie. Wait a second. What? Oh, there's butter in there. And like egg. Oh, egg as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... So when I've been drinking and I'm out, these rules kind of <laughs> expand. Um, totally. Yeah, my freshman year of college that I went vegan. Um, but then it's kind of like fluctuated in between then, like 
the guidelines I just said. So yeah. Let it be known that you should be uh, completely respected for your choice to be vegan and also that I'm a better person than your previous guest, Cole Allen, because he disparaged you so bad. He, he made did. fun of you for it. And Telling me yeast was an animal. Yeast is not an animal, Cole. <laughs> I mean, in my, yeah. Let's just let it be known that I'm a better person than Cole Allen. Um, on the record. And if, yes, I'm on the record now. And if you would like to be vegan, that's just fine. And you're welcome to do oh, it. Oh, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. You're missing the shit out, though. That meat is good, man. <laughs> Aged cheese also. Mm-hmm. There's all there's few things I would rather taste than aged cheese of any kind. Yeah, and it's kind of a an issue at work. Like I don't know if I should just lie to customers and tell them, yeah, this you know sirloin, blah blah blah, super the chicken and waffles, man, the chicken's so tender. Like I don't know if I should just lie or if I should be straight up and like, listen, I can't eat eighty percent of this menu, <laughs> so I can tell you how it looks and how other people think about it. You should lie. You think I should? Absolutely. You should lie to them. Okay. Because I feel like people uh, respect honesty, though. People people who are in restaurants don't want to feel respect. They want to <laughs> be told that their shit is good, delicious, and then they want to okay. cram it into their mouths. <laughs> okay. So lying's the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So uh, this next part is called Tales from Behind the Bar. Mm-hmm. These are your horror stories slash funny stories slash adventures of working in the food industry, mm-hmm. whether it's been you behind the bar serving people or being a server. Uh, what are some of your interesting experiences that you've had? I have a, I have a, couple, I have a few stories about that. Um, I've worked in, I think, five different service jobs in Seattle and one in New Orleans and one in Walla Walla, Washington. So I have like a decent amount of service experience under my belt. Let's see. Okay, my first one is while I was in New Orleans. And this is an example of what small family-owned restaurants and bars should be like. Uh, it was owned by a married couple. The husband was the head chef and the woman, the wife, was my uh, boss. She was my, as a server, she was, my, she was just the general manager. And they didn't take shit from anyone. They were very defensive and argumentative people and oftentimes difficult bosses to have. But if you had someone give you shit in the restaurant, all you did was tell them and they just went up and they just told these people to go fuck off. And I have, this is my personal belief about restaurants and bars. If you don't like the menu at my place, don't come here again. I'm not here to show you, I'm not here to just baby you and give you, and I'm not making fun of you for being a vegan. I know no, that no, this no. is, you know, okay, good. Uh, it's like, you should go into a place and expect to have what they tell you to have. Chefs who are professionals have put this food together in a very calculated way, and they're proud of it. And it's representing this establishment. Go experience it the way that they want you to experience it. If you want your own stupid meal, go home and make it. Or (laughs) go to the place that you know of that makes it. And don't come back. So in New Orleans, these two, the married couple, they were just feisty as hell. And there was a guy who was with his family who hated his cocktail. He hated it. I wasn't actually serving this guy, but I was in the section next to it. So I I witnessed a lot of it. Hated his cocktail, then got a beer, hated the beer. Did we make the beer? Nah, he just hated it. Anyway, so we were responsible. He chose it. 
uh, hated everything on the menu that came out, and he complained about his burger not being medium rare. And he said it was it was like pretty much well done. And we were just like, now I'm looking at it, and it's <laughs> medium rare. I, I know what it looks like, and that's medium rare. That's a good medium rare burger. Like, you're wrong. So this person is just a terrible person. Yeah, he's a dick, you yeah. know. And my experience in every restaurant I've worked at in Seattle is, oh, I'm so sorry. You go tell your boss, this guy's really up my ass. And your boss says, well, that sucks. You know, make him happy again. That's the priority. And I hate that that's a thing in the service industry. And so, But in New Orleans, this was a really sweet server also. A friend of mine was, was serving this guy. And she is the nicest person in the world. Like, she would never complain about people. And I don't think I ever heard her complain, except for this one instance where she was back in the kitchen and started crying and talking to the guy who's the head chef And while she was describing the burger. And it's like, she's crying about this guy who's, like, been horrible to her. Chef asks her what he looks like and what table he's at. She tells him. He puts his stuff down and walks out there. She and I follow the head chef, whose name was Brack, and who was over 300 pounds. <laughs> this man's calves were as wide as tree trunks. And he walks out there in his chef's hat, covered in grease and burger grease, and he just says to this guy, get the fuck out. He points away and says, get the fuck out. Your food was free tonight. Get the fuck out. And yes, he did it in front of children. So, okay, maybe that's questionable. I'm not sure. But it's it was so amazing, and it, it like it just honestly, people who were sitting around us, other guests, were were clapping. Right. They were thrilled because they hated this guy because yeah. they were reasonable people who just wanted to go get a burger. Right. So that I've carried that with me, and I always will because I just I wish it was the way that restaurants functioned right now more, a little bit more. I don't want people to be necessarily that aggressive, but I want people yeah. to stand up more for what they are presenting well also when it's like you are going somewhere where you're being served like they're people this is their job like don't treat them like they're trash Show some you know respect for exactly these people who like, are doing their job yeah for you. Mm. yeah but just people who are like that are awful to the worst can i can i give one thing about the burgundian yeah so you are very lucky to work at the burgundian i used to work at the burgundian and you're lucky because most of the people who go there are pretty chill. Right. Compared to other places in Seattle, people who go there are pretty chill. They are tech. They're typically they just want to go and eat food and drink and have a good time. Yeah. And like they're pretty nice. So you're lucky in that in that sense. There's a couple who comes in for some reason. I swear to God, they found my section and they always sat in it. <laughs> and it's a couple. And the there's I'll just tell you the one thing that stands out the most of all of the crappy stuff that the couple did. First of all, the woman was not, the, the wife or girlfriend, whoever it was, she wasn't ready to order for probably like 40 minutes. So she just chilled. And I would go back over and over again and be like, what's up? Like, are you hungry yet or maybe thirsty at all? Or what Did we, the guy order? Yeah, he had a beer. And oh, then okay. he, he ordered like, a, I think it was the albacore tartines or uh-huh. something like that. I don't know. She just didn't know. Uh, oh, they'd also ordered their fry, French fries extra crispy. And it doesn't matter how crispy they are. If they're not black, then they're not crispy enough. <laughs> and, and then she finally comes up, comes to a decision about what she wants. And she says, I'll have the grilled portobello mushroom to me. And not only do we not serve portobello mushrooms, she referred to it as the, the. grilled <laughs> portobello mushroom as though she found it somewhere on the menu. No, not on the menu, not in the kitchen. 
Not in the walk-in. We didn't have any portobello mushrooms. I inform her of this, and she just freaks out, just really upset. Just She was very upset about this. Eventually, we came to the conclusion after probably like a couple minutes of just going back and forth, like, oh, I'm so sorry that we don't have every food item on earth here for you to just choose anything that sounds good and we'll just know how to do it. Also, she, so then we, we come to the conclusion that she should order the mussels and I order the mussels. They've been there for like an hour at this point. And then I go back to the kitchen and whoever it was who was working was just like, we're out of mussels, dude. We just ran out. Sorry. So I go up to the woman. I was like, at this point I knew it'd be hilarious. And I was like, you're going you're gonna to not like this. I'm sorry, but we don't have the muscles anymore tonight. And she literally did like a pouty pout and then like a little like, oh, oh, oh my God. She literally said, oh my God. Almost started crying. <laughs> and was just like, what, what do I, what's going, I don't know. Like, uh, and then looks at her husband. Her husband is just sitting there like, par for the course, dude. I'm used to this person being <laughs> horrific. He's just... He's just drinking and, you know, he's just like, whatever, this is what I've, this is the doomed life that I've committed myself to. And she, and she then, she doesn't actually start crying, but she was, tears were coming into her eyes. And I don't know what we decided to order in the end, but, and I was like, and they just hated their experience every time. So you must be coming in for the sole purpose of looking into my eyes (laughs) And telling me that I'm not good enough and that I haven't done well enough. That's what you need in order to get through, like, the day, you know? Oh it's like, oh, God. it's Thursday. We need to go clown on some fools at the Burgundian. <laughs> Just, we're going to, you know what I'm going to do tonight, honey? I had a bad day at work. I'm going to order a grilled portobello mushroom. No, you know what? I'm going to order the grilled portobello mushroom. You said before you have an interest in... Uh wanting to open up a brewery or at least work that. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's like your end goal. Is that something that you really love and that you see yourself doing? Yes. And it's the, I mean, after just talking about how horrific the service industry can be <laughs> for a while, I will now say that it's all, it's also one of the most beautiful things uh, in the world that I've experienced um, because of a number of reasons. Probably the first and foremost, it's the community that you build uh, working at a place. If you've got a place that has a good community, you know, I mean, a lot of places don't, and that's unfortunate. But just what's possible working as a Absolutely. member of a restaurant, that yeah. team becomes can become, has the ability to become, or the, I'm sorry, the potential, really close and to uh, really yeah. love one another and, yeah. ha- and foster a really positive sort of sense of community just because it can be trying and it can be very hard and... Um, you bond over that for sure. You totally bond over that. And it, it extends way beyond just your restaurant in general. So, I mean, I want to open a brewery and I want to be in charge of staff at the brewery eventually and have a tap, a tap room and that kind of thing. But I'll have to have employees and they will go through hard stuff and it'll suck for them sometimes, you know. So, but I, I've been there and I know what can come from it. And uh, the real the real glory of it to me is connecting in like beyond just your restaurant, like, like build becoming a part of a larger community, becoming mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you team up with a different bar. Maybe you team up with a restaurant or a winery, you know, it doesn't matter. It's you just, just extending beyond the walls of your restaurant. You know, it's one thing to like be this positive community inside of the bar or restaurant or brewery or whatnot. 
And it's another to kind of extend into the place where you are. And this is, you know, the word community gets tossed around like it means nothing these days, you know, but it really still does. Like it really does. And and it's crucial for places to, for businesses, especially restaurants and bars and breweries to A, be successful and B, just be places that you want to work, stuff Mm -hmm. you want to do, you know? Yeah. Well, and the thing about, food and drink is it's like everyone consumes it Mm. you know so you have this entity that has so much potential to make it whatever it's going to be because no matter what people are going to consume it yeah and so there's a lot of opportunity there and i feel like something i really experienced specifically at burgundian um because i had worked a couple of their service jobs before that were just absolute nightmares and in college i worked at starbucks and i vowed that after Starbucks, I was never going to work in the food industry again because it was a total nightmare. Yeah. But then going to a place where people are so passionate about what they're doing, it just like, it just changes everything. You know, it's like, this is what this person is thinking about this new, the spring menu. This is what our executive chef had put all of his energy into. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's great. And it's like, it's so rewarding to have the result of that come out and then have people, I mean, like, not like I'm a chef and I'm not a brewer, you know, but I'm not even a bartender, <laughs> but it's like to have someone just like turn to you and be like, this is so good after mm-hmm. something you've created. Like what's better than that? <laughs> you know, someone genuinely appreciating what you're doing. Nothing is better than that in life. In my opinion, <laughs> truly nothing is better than that. I guess since this is uh, an actual beer podcast, maybe before we finish our drinks, uh, I kind of mm-hmm. revisit are you picking up on anything different since we've been drinking or anything that you particularly like about it? You know what? I haven't, I haven't been riding the the barley wine train as consistently as you have been. I've been as a, I'm just going to confess to the listener that I've also got a Bud Light in front of me <laughs> and I'm and I'm drinking it um, for a couple of reasons, but it's here. And so and I call Bud Light the greatest palate cleanser that exists. And so I... <laughs> So I've just been cleansing my palate with each sip, and then I come back to it. So I've been kind of re-experiencing the first taste of it for a while. It has warmed up a little bit. Um, it has. But I don't mind that. Like, I'll drink mm-mm. a barley wine a little warm. No, I will too. Um, oh, my God. Maybe I hadn't sipped this in, like, 15 minutes. I've just been <laughs> drinking my Bud Light. This is very different now. Wow. The maltiness is like still just outrageous. It's yeah. like very, very prominent, just yeah. straight up malt. The thing that has come through now that wasn't there before is chocolate. There's like a lot of chocolatey yeah. sort of notes there, I think. And it, and I feel like it wasn't there before. Cocoa, maybe it's cocoa powder or <laughs> cocoa pebbles. Like I, said earlier. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of chocolate mm. there that wasn't there at the beginning. I don't know. Agree to disagree if you no, disagree. No, totally. I think that I, and this is the thing about drinking beer, eating and drinking anything, is when someone points it out, you're like, oh, yes, I do taste that. And maybe it's something I would have identified more as caramel. But now mm. that you're saying cocoa, I mean, there's there's something there for sure. It's cocoa. It's not chocolate. There's mm-hmm. there's distinction there. Mm-hmm. Something I have um, really come to love about barley wine is... Uh, the type of buzz you get from it is different than most beers in the sense that like, I don't feel like buzzed right now, but I know that like when I try to stand up, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to feel it. (laughs) It's like, it makes me think that I am much more coherent than I probably actually am. (laughs) Yeah. 
Hey guys, turns out I had an audio malfunction that cut off the last part of Kevin's interview. So sorry for the abrupt ending, but I hope you guys enjoyed our beer talk anyways. Early in the podcast, I mentioned Hard Liver. That's the barley wine festival that Brower's Cafe in Fremont has every year. And if you want to know more about it, I did a post on the blog, cheers to beersnw.com. And for more episodes of Cheers to Beers, subscribe on iTunes, or you can listen right on the blog. Follow at Cheers to Beers NW on Instagram or me at Just Just DVD. And one last thought. If you live in this greater Seattle area and you want to come to the Burgundian, I know I talk about it all the time. And uh, you can come in and actually order a portobello mushroom burger. We have it for the spring summer 2016 menu. Uh, So come in and say hi, eat burgers, drink beer. That's my motto. Peace out.